0: Right, so I've got a bit of a story to share to, to start off the air. Uh, hopefully, it's not irreverent or irrelevant. Uh, being the message, this is hopefully 99.99% relevant to the message uh, because it, it hinges on the story. So hopefully, we get it right. Okay, so I want to tell you about uh, a guy uh, a few years ago. His name was Tim. Now, Tim, uh, it's a true story. Uh, So, you know, just in case you're wondering, Uh, he grew up in a good home. He was the kind of kid who was the star athlete, uh, was smart, the kind of kid that a lot of us might like to dislike because he was an achiever, he uh, he was top of his class, he was a professional athlete and a smart businessman, so he was a professional sports person, uh, turned that money into good business practice and did very well for himself. and then, along that course, he met the woman who he eventually married, and then they had a child. So they had a son, and, uh, and I'm not giving this message because I had a son seven weeks ago, uh, but I can relate to this story a little bit. So the one thing that happened when... So here's this guy who's got everything in life, uh, he's well-respected, he's integrous, he's looked up to, and then the son that he has is born blind. So massive curveball, if you want to use a sporting analogy. But that's okay, because he comes from a good home, he's got good resources, he's smart, he and his wife you know, done well. So this was like quite a while ago, before the day and age of social security systems and social welfare and the likes of Centrelink. Centrelink didn't exist. So it's okay because they can provide for their family. But then when Tim's son is very young, both the parents die and he's left an orphan. So here's a blind child, left an orphan, and you'd think, okay, he's going to be well off because there's a bit of money left behind. But then relatives and friends do the dodgy, see the money, see the opportunity, and take it all. So he has this orphaned, blind son left with nothing. No centrelink options, no uh, adoption available. None none of that existed. This wasn't Australia. This wasn't uh, a society that has these systems in place. So his only option in that society was to beg. He was the son of a highly prized, highly honoured father, everything stripped away, the only option left was to beg on the streets. Now, the one thing the city did give, or the society did offer, was for authorised beggars, they were given a cloak or a jacket. Might not quite have been as bright as this, but you get the picture. Some people would say that they were red jackets, but I tried to find the brightest one in my wardrobe just to make the point. And I probably won't zip it up because I'll get too hot. So the city gives them a colored cloak or a jacket. And this is like, you know how we see buskers in Rundle Mall and most of the time they should be authorized and have some sort of license to be there? This is kind of like his license to beg. This cloak authorized, this jacket authorized by the city. So he grows up like this, begging on the side of the street. And this jacket is his livelihood. If he loses this, that's his authority to beg and his opportunity to get an income or get food or get scraps or get whatever he can to survive and have a life, to get forward day by day and have provision. So this jacket basically says you're the lowest of society, you have nothing, you have no family. You only have one option, and that's to beg. Nothing else. It was a big label, big, bright, fluorescent label said, this is all you're entitled to in this society. Now, in in our worldview, in our day and age, we'd say that's socially unjust, that's unfair. We have systems in place that help the lowest of society. As a church, we are called to help the people that can't help themselves. So this might be hard to fathom in our context. The question I'd like to ask is, what labels have we applied to ourselves? What jackets or cloaks are we wearing that are holding us back to begging for not seeing, not fulfilling the the life that God has for us? What have you been lumped with? What words have been spoken over your life by family, by friends, by yourself, What has been spoken? What lies have been spoken to you about you? What hurts have been told? What are you carrying on your shoulders that and it's standing out for all to see? Maybe it's just you, you're the only person that can see it, but it's you can't miss it if you tried. It's just reflecting. What label have you applied to yourself, or what label has someone else applied to you? Maybe. Maybe it's you're sick and you're always sick and you're known as the sick person. Maybe it's a medical condition. Maybe you're the person that has been said, oh, you're broke or you're poor or you don't have enough. Maybe you're the one that said you're too stupid to do that or you're not smart enough or you're you're a bit weird or a bit strange. Maybe you've been told you're you're too wide, too thin, too tall or too short. Maybe your physical description, you've been labelled and you're wearing it like a bright fluorescent yellow jacket. Possibly, what attitudes are we holding that stand out for all to see? What attitudes and what, what pride are we holding on to stop from releasing these things so we can move forward? And it's a poignant time to talk like this for the start of a new year. It's an opportunity to look back at 2014, look back to the past, and leave these things behind and make a step with a positive step towards this year and what you're going to achieve in 2015. Now, a label I could easily wear is I am an extreme introvert. Now, you might find that highly unusual. Who's this guy standing up here with a bright yellow jacket and making jokes and leading services? My natural tendency is to be an introvert. But I I knew, at about the age of 12 or 13, that I needed to be a good speaker. And I literally remember, in primary school in New Zealand, getting up to do school council uh, elections and speeches in front of the whole school, and standing here like this, shaking so much I could not read my speech. Because I'm introverted, and. Standing up in front of people was not comfortable. It's something I had to, I could have just wallowed in my introvertedness and hang out in the back in church and do things and, and just, just hide and not be seen. But I decided not to stick to that label and say, maybe God's called me to something else. Maybe there's uh, a person's life to be affected on the other side of me stepping beyond my what God is asking. Now, what I would like to ask get get a little uh, practical this morning, it's going to get a little light harder later, don't worry. I have literally a few labels here. So I'm just going to hand around a few labels. And I might get Liz to share those out, thank you. Let's grab a cup. So these labels, what I would like us to do, just get a little bit of practical application Let's grab one label each and conveniently this morning we all have crayons or pencils on our tables or you might have a pen. Uh, that was coincidental. It wasn't some subtle roundabout play to make sure we all had these for that purpose. just worked out quite nicely. What I'd like to do is just everybody to write down on one of these labels maybe what... Label you have been applied with? Or what's something that you are known as that might be holding you back from the potential that God has for you and the life that you would like with Jesus? Is it you're constantly sick? Is it you struggle to manage finances? Is it you have been labeled stupid? Is it that you have been abused? Is it that you have been uh, put down, that you've been labeled for your physical attributes? Is it attitudes that you hold that people refer to you as uh, they are the uh, arrogant one? They are the unteachable one. They are the, uh, the difficult person. They are the, the one that robs it, rubs everyone the wrong way. What are we carrying? What have we carried in the last year, five years, ten years? could be your whole life. Is it your personality type? Is it ah, oh, because I'm too disorganised, I can't do that, or because I don't, I have a fear of people, I'm, I, I don't want to go talk to people because I'm fear the fear of rejection because of something that happened to me when I was younger. Just to write down what this label might be on the label that you have just take a moment just to do that. And as I'm talking, maybe you're struggling to think at the moment. But I hope during the rest of the message, something will come to the forefront. Now, so here is Tim's son. Every day, he's on the side of the road, outside a city. And this city is an oasis. Literally, the name of the city means oasis and a city of palm trees. So people are coming and going every day on this main road to this oasis for rest, for recreation, for business. And he's sitting on the side of the road, begging, hearing all these people come past because he can't see. And that is his lot in life, just sitting beside the road, hearing everybody else do life and go on with their life. So he's this son of a highly honoured and prized person, now forgotten and begging on the streets. Now, as part of being this beggar, it's a place for beggars. So there are two or three other beggars there and this little community that they build for themselves. They look after each other. If somebody's sick, they, they cover each other. They help each other out. Some can't walk. Some have other disabilities. But they look after each other. For 10 years, this happens. Every day, begging, that's their lot in life. Another five years pass, and then Tim starts, Tim's son starts hearing stories. His highly tuned sense of hearing as people come past, he starts hearing of these rumours and this, this chatter about this man on the other side of the, the countryside. This man that offers healing and miracles and People are talking about him like he's some sort of miracle man. A couple of months later, the stories get more excited. The chatter gets louder. More and more people are talking. And they're saying, this man is in the next town. This man that everybody's talking about, this this healer, this miracle person, is coming. He's in the next town. The next day, he hears... This man coming, he hears the crowd before he knows this man is definitely coming. And he hears people start to say all the stories about this man. We pick up the story in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. Jericho means an oasis... City of Palm Trees. If you're worrying about the noise, that's intentional. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city. So they'd gone into the city, they come out of the city. There's a large crowd. Bartimaeus, which means the son of Timmaeus, see what I did there, <laughs> was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. They say, "Shut up! Who are you to call out as the Son of God? Who are you? Who do you think you are? You're just Bartimaeus. You're just that beggar on the side of the road." Who do you think you are to, to step beyond your lot in life? Who do you think you are? they told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Now, the interesting thing about this part of the story, which might often get missed, is that the very people that have put Bartimaeus into his spot, Jesus uses to work and facilitate the miracle. He says, you might be putting him down, you might have given him that lot in life, but Jesus is over here saying, hey, you guys, you call him. You bring him to me. You know, Jesus works in... The Bible says God works in mysterious ways, that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So you never know how God's going to work. Maybe it's the people that are your enemies that God will bring blessing through. But the question for Bartimaeus was, and for us, is are our eyes on Jesus, or are they on the crowd? Are they on the noise and the words and the things that people are saying that are trying to keep us from popping our head up and having what Jesus has for us in life? Are our eyes on Jesus or the circumstances around us? Do we look at popular opinion and the words spoken over us or are we looking to Jesus? Because here's Bartimaeus, his lot in life And he sees this. He's heard these stories for months. And then the chatter gets louder. He's got nothing else in life. And he's saying, to heck with it. If Jesus can set me free, I don't care who else is shouting. I'm going to shout louder. If Jesus has an answer for me, if just possibly this miracle man that I've never met before has an answer for me, I'm going to push through and get my miracle from him. So, throwing his cloak aside. (laughs) Throwing his, that's nice and cool. Throwing his cloak aside, the very license he had to beg, his only source of income, his chance at a livelihood, his community, everything this represents, the words spoken over him, the opportunity just to sit there. He throws it aside. He jumps to his feet and came to Jesus. It's like he had the words of the philosopher Taylor in mind. But I keep cruising, can't stop, won't stop moving. It's like I've got this music in my mind saying, it's going to be all right. <laughs> Michelle, please. Is it Calvin? Yeah, play, 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 play. hey, shake shake See, it's said it something special for you this morning. A little, little, little shimmy shake. It's alright, you can go to the next one. Thanks, Michelle. So obviously the title of my message this morning is Shake It Off. He threw off his cloak left everything behind because Jesus was there. Now, so as I said, his cloak was his license to beg. It was his source of income. What he saw there was he expected a change in his status. By leaving that cloak on the roadside, he's saying, I'm no longer going back to that. That's not my status in life. I'm not being boxed into what people have told me to be. I'm stepping out of that. He also expects to be whole. By leaving that behind, being blind, he can't see this Jesus. He can hear the stories. He can hear the crowd coming. But he expects by leaving that behind, he's not going to need to go back to that cloak because when he comes to Jesus, he's going to be whole. He can see. He doesn't even know what to see means. He doesn't know it's going to be scary. It's going to be a world full of color. The people around him, he might not like what they look like. Who knows? Who knows? If you go from a world that you've never seen before to all of a sudden seeing faces and colors and sky, it'd be amazing, it'd be beautiful, but it's an unknown. The fear of the unknown could have kept him here, could have kept him to his comfort spot, and kept him to where he had spent his whole life. So confidently, he expects to not be returning to the place of asking for handouts. He's coming to Jesus. The cloak represents his lifestyle of the last, uh, say it was 20 years, 20, 25 years, whatever age he was, it's the lifestyle he's known. It represents the limitations placed on his life, that all he could do was beg. But coming to Jesus, the limitations would be gone. And this in itself can be scary and can stop us from shaking it off. This cloak also represents a false security. The false security that that community has the answers for me, that although I might not get a great income or an opportunity, I get food, I get money from other people. It's a false security that things will be okay that way. Trying to box them in sometimes you know, we might think in our circumstances, in our situations, that it's okay. You know, if I just, if I just sit here, I'm comfortable. I'll just, this is my place. I, you know, it might be a bit of work I'm, to, to push through and get, get my healing or get my financial breakthrough or to see relationships healed. You know, I'd just be comfortable not ruffling feathers and just, just sitting here. But he shook off all of that. Verse 51, Jesus asks him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Now this is interesting. Jesus is not stupid. He has eyes. He could see that the Bartimaeus could not see. But he still asks, what would you like me to do for you? It's a question for us this morning. What would you like Jesus to do for you? Jesus needs to get us to articulate our need because without it, if we're not prepared to be helped or be prepared to maybe take a step and, and, and there might be work involved or something we need to change, something we need to let go of so we can get that miracle If we can't do that then Jesus would just move down the road we can still have relationship with Jesus but are we having the life that he intended and the breakthrough that we need because you see to say to Jesus I need your help this is what I need help with requires humility requires a a break of pride to say, I need help in this area. I cannot do this on my own. Verse 52. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Question this morning is, what do we have faith for in 2015? What do we have faith that Jesus can do for this year? In nine years and 11 months, uh, yeah, nine years and 11 months ago, so in one month's time, it will be the 10th anniversary of me moving to Australia, February the 7th, 2005. Now, I was studying in New Zealand I was reasonably happy, slightly unsettled. Uh, I was in a good church, a a different sort of church to C3. But I felt like I needed what God had placed inside of me. I needed to make a decision or I needed a change of surroundings. I needed to do something different than what was in front of me and what my friends were on the path to do. I needed to do something else. So I I was studying at a Bible college at the time. It's kind of just feeling unsettled, like I, I was called for something different. It looked a bit different to the style of what was going on at the time. So I inquired actually all over the world, just to see all around New Zealand, Australia, just to see what opportunities and just something that might work. I inquired with C3 College, got a prospectus in the post, opened it up and bang, I need to be here. You know, that's great. Okay, so I open a prospectus, go, this is a place I need to be. Cool. But what you actually need to do is take a step of faith to get there in the first place. So this was early December. The course started two months later. What did I have in the bank? Zero. I was a student. The course started in two months. I knew I needed to be there. And God said to me, the story of Peter stepping out of the boat, I just needed to take the step. Take a step of faith. As Jesus said, your faith has healed you. We need to take a step of faith this morning and for this year. Now, by taking that step of faith and saying, yes, I am going. My bank says I'm not going, but I am going. I had to make some wise decisions and get rid of some stuff and uh, put some work in. It didn't just happen. I put on fundraising things. I spoke to family, church, to see what opportunities there were to get this money necessary. By making those decisions and running fundraisers, I had a friend that was Christian for maybe two years, probably 18 months. Really generous guy. At one of my fundraising events to go overseas to study at Bible college. He walked up to me, hands me an envelope with $1,000 cash in it. Just says, bless you. Go and do what you need to do. Had I sat in my chair, stayed in my house, not made that decision, that blessing would not have been available to me. I would never have had access to that. So Bartimaeus had a step of faith. He had the faith and confidence that Jesus had the answer for him. Faith that Jesus could rescue him from his lot in life, from his circumstances, from his cloak, from his labels that he'd been lumped with. So rather than sitting by the roadside, he decided if Jesus is on this road, I'm going to jump on here and come and get a miracle. So the challenge is for us, are we going to spend another year sitting by the roadside and watching or hearing everybody go past, or are we going to make a decision to jump on and follow Jesus? Because The Bible then says, immediately he received his sight. Jesus had told him to go. He said, go, your faith has healed you. But he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Jesus said, go, you're healed. He recognised that this Jesus was the answer for his life and he followed him. This morning, Jordan, just asked you to come up. I just want to do something we do every week in church. I want to give people an opportunity to say, I want to follow Jesus. This Jesus, I don't know everything about him. That's fine. But I know he's got answers for me. I know that he's the Son of God and that he can take, he can get rid of my cloak, get rid of my labels. And by following him, I can get wholeness in my life. Maybe the crowds have been shouting, saying, Oh, church is stupid, Jesus. But you know, there's, there's this truth that Jesus has the answer. You know, and it takes a lot to step, stand up and say, or we tend to ask people to raise their hand. It takes, it's a step of faith or an action of faith to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Or maybe there might be people in this room that have followed Jesus before, but all that shouting, all that noise, all that labels, all the, everything coming down for them, Maybe all those labels have stopped you taking that step, and you need to come back to Jesus. Just ask everybody across the room, just to close your eyes, please. Just in the sacred moment, just want to give that opportunity. If there's anybody here this morning, when I say, I'll just ask you to raise your hands, and I'll acknowledge it, and you can put your hand down, just to see, is there anybody who has never followed Jesus and would like to do that, or has followed Jesus and has fallen to the roadside fallen into the box and you need to step forward and step beyond the crowds and say Jesus I need to follow you this morning if there's anybody either of those just ask you to put up your hand this morning That's, say oh, I'm going to follow Jesus this morning thank you I see that hand see another hand thank you Anybody else this morning? Sometimes we move quickly through this, but it's an opportunity, and I can feel the presence of God this morning. Say, He's wanting to meet with people. Jesus wants to meet with people this morning. Fantastic. Now, if I could please ask everybody to stand this morning. We have a couple of people that have put up their hands. And what I'd like to do, like Bartimaeus had to take a step towards Jesus, there are a couple of people that raised their hands. And I'd like to ask you to come forward uh, to to the front. And I'd like to pray with you. And a couple of uh, members of our church will uh, come and pray with you together. And we want to help you to follow Jesus. So if I could ask those two people to please come forward. Let's give them a, a round of applause this morning. Let's join together this morning and just pray the, the prayer as a community, as a church. And maybe if, if you're still in your seat, and you need to make that prayer, you can do that there too. But let's join together as a church. say, so let's just, just pray after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for taking my sin upon the cross. Thank you for the, the sacrifice you laid down for me. I ask you to come into my life today. And I say, I want to follow you from now on. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause this morning. Now, the, the friends you're with, uh, we, we have some resources after the service when we wrap up in a couple of minutes just to give you something just to help you follow Jesus. So so thank you for coming forward. You can go back to seats if you like. Thanks, Gary. Now, just stay standing. What I'd like to ask is these labels that we have on the table in front of us. Maybe you wondered what I asked you to do with those. The labels we wrote on, the cloaks we wrote about, now is it a time for action to take a step ourselves. I would like us to have a serious but fun moment. We are going to do something nice around. Sorry, it's not right in the middle. That's my introvertedness. <laughs> So what do you want Jesus to do this year? That label that you have in front of you, does that represent the breakthrough that you want for 2015? So my challenge and the offer this morning, I'm not saying everyone has to, but I strongly encourage you to come forward. You can do whatever you like to this label. Fold it in half, fold it in quarters, scrunch it in a ball and come forward and shake it off. shake them off into from closer range. (laughs) And this is just to represent. It's a bit of fun. We're going to have the music going. Just to come forward and just to represent. And then we're going to destroy them afterwards. No one's going to be looking at them, just in case anyone's worried about that. We are going just to come forward and say, this thing, this label, this cloak, this thing that I've been carrying around that either has just been Right in front of my eyes, I can't see anything else, or everybody else can see it because it's so darn bright. I'm going to shake it off this year. I'm going to bring it forward. Michelle, can we please have the music? Yeah. So let's come forward this morning. Thank you, Nathan. Wasn't that an awesome word? Give him a round of applause.